1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 208 of the Packaday podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV. And of course, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. Have a great episode lined up for you today, including talking some Devontae Adams, some Ja'Kai Polite, some Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews, and much, much more. But to help me out with all of that is a very special guest. She is a journalism graduate from the University of Florida, a former reporter and producer for the Florida Gators Athletic Department. She spent time with New York One in New York, did some freelance writing, and is now a sports reporter and anchor for NBC26 in Green Bay. You can follow her on Twitter and on Facebook at Price. Of course, joining me tonight is Tampa Bay's very own Kelly Price. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me this evening.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Excited to talk some Packers with you, excited to talk some Florida football. I know you're a big fan, and there's certainly some uh, big prospects coming out that the Packers could be keen on in the upcoming draft, so we'll want to touch base on that as well. But before we kind of jump into all of that, I always love to hear the the kind of background story of our guests, and I'd love just kind of your background on how you went from growing up in Tampa to going to the University of Florida to now being a reporter and anchor for NBC26 in Green Bay.
3: Yeah, so... I mean, that's basically the Sparky Notes version of it. I'm from Tampa and uh, went to University of Florida, as you said, majored in journalism, which there is like a writing and kind of newspaper um, degree versus like a broadcast degree. I only started doing video type stuff my junior, senior year of college. So kind of got started a little bit later in that game. But I did work for like the Tampa Bay Times when I was in high school and in college, writing sports, writing news, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and then from there, I had internships with the Fox affiliate in Tampa, WTVT, uh, Fox 13, and then New York One, as you mentioned, in New York City, the Spectrum 24-hour channel there. But yeah, and then since then, I or since graduating, I guess, I've gone on to be a reporter producer for the University of Florida's athletic department, as you mentioned. And then um, now I am obviously here in Green Bay at NBC26, living the dream, <laughs>
1: Well, it all sounds amazing. What's your kind of favorite aspect of it? Do you enjoy the writing? Do you enjoy the reporting? What's kind of your favorite aspect?
3: I think my favorite aspect is when I get to tell more than just, you know, the box score story. I like being able to tell stories on a personal level. Haven't gotten to do a ton of that with the Packers quite yet, but like one of my favorite stories I've ever done was about a... um, kid who was a huge Florida football fan had leukemia and the Florida football team embraced him like brought him in for a game and they all had these like little wristbands and stuff and they actually met with him and they like spent their off days hanging out with this kid and it it was one of my favorite stories that I've ever done and stuff like that is what I like to do I like to tell those deeper stories probably one of my favorite stories since I've been in Green Bay that I've been able to tell Packers related wise was this past um, year, obviously, the Packers 100th season, we did kind of a couple specials where just talking about traditions, you know, of that the Packers have established over the last 100 years. And I did a story about Corey Lindsley, the center, and the relationship he developed with a local kid whose family went through a really tough time with um, a mom's health issue. And he's been riding this kid's bike for shoot, I don't even remember how many years, but ever since his rookie year. And they're like, you know, friends, you like he goes over to the house for Thanksgiving and stuff. So that's my favorite story that I've done here. That's my favorite part of the job is being able to tell those personal stories and show people that these athletes are more than just athletes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's always the stories that transcend sports that are always the ones that are oh. even a little bit more interesting than the sports stories themselves. The
3: ones that the ones that make you cry. That's what I want to
1: do. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've done an awesome job with that. So, <laughs> I know one of the the key aspects of your job, of course, is kind of covering the Packers. Mm-hmm. So, kind of walk us through our listeners and myself, you know, what it's like being a reporter during the Packers season. I know that's obviously, you know, kind of the the huge crux of the job in season, but what does that look like and uh, how much of your time is kind of taken up directly with that?
3: Yeah, I mean, 100 percent of the time, <laughs> it's 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 a big job to do. But you know, the fan base makes it fun because everyone really cares about every little tiny little nugget of information that we are able to put out there. I mean, it start. I mean, it really never ends. Really, right now is obviously a slower season in in the ebb and flow of things. But you know, I mean, the combine's the end of the month. We'll be there in Indianapolis. That's kicks off the whole draft. I mean, the draft stuff is already really started. I know we'll touch on that, but. I mean, there's really no off season, but during the regular season, it's pretty. Um, I guess there's a there's a regimen to it. Mondays is pretty much going over everything that happened the previous day on Sunday, in the locker room with whoever's there and you know the coaches. I don't know if things will be different this year, obviously with the new coaching staff. I would imagine they stay pretty much the same, but and you know just throughout the week talking with players about you know, the next upcoming opponent and things that they need to get better at or those kinds of things. It, it stays pretty regimented during the season, but I'm trying to think if I can give any more interesting information <laughs> because I just, I feel like it's just once the season starts, it's such a grind. It just kind of, it's a day by day thing, you know?
1: And you travel with the team on the road, Correct.
3: Uh, for some of them, yeah. Okay,
1: gotcha, gotcha. So, well, it sounds very, very crazy. Like you said, I'm very happy that there really is no off season. I know when people, <laughs> you know, talked to me about having a podcast every single day for the Packers, they said, yeah. you know, aren't you guys going to run out of things to talk about? And generally the answer is no. No, there's <laughs> always something going on, especially when there's a new coach and uh, you've got two draft picks or three in the top 50 really. Yeah. And uh, free agency should be exciting. So, yeah, it's it's nonstop. It never ends. There's always good conjecture. So, yeah. But it, like you said, when it gets to – in season I'm sure it can absolutely be a grind
3: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so uh, one of the things that you kind of got to do recently was uh, go to the Pro Bowl and uh, interview Devonte Adams mm-hmm. uh, that was a great interview with Devonte. kind of tell yeah. me your, your main takeaways from that absolutely what were your kind of main takeaways and uh, what were some of the things that maybe he stated that really you know kind of stuck with you
3: Um, I think the biggest thing is that Matt LaFleur left a good impression with him. So Devontae Adams, as you guys all remember, didn't play that last game of the season. He had a right knee tweak. So he was in Green Bay getting kind of some final like checkups, just final approvals before he was able to get cleared to go to the Pro Bowl. So he was just there for like one day on a, I think it was a Friday, and just happened to cross paths with Matt LaFleur and got to meet him and... (laughs) He said he left a great first impression. Obviously, Adams is going to be a big part of whatever he does bring to offense as far as, you know, the innovative schemes and whatnot. And he said he's heard nothing but good things. He, I remember mentioned talking to Julio Jones about how he had coached him in Atlanta, and um, obviously he respects what Jones has done, too. I remember him using the word innovative, and I remember him saying that, obviously, Lafleur's young age is going to be a benefit because he's going to be able to relate to the younger players and I remember him having this quote about how his ability to lead men is going to be different than than Mike McCarthy and he didn't say that as a slight to McCarthy or anything like that but it was just he he noticed the age thing immediately is a huge difference but yeah he seemed excited about what's to come obviously we're all just kind of waiting to see what is to come because we all don't really know what's what's exactly going to happen. But we actually will get a chance to hear from Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff that he's assembled tomorrow on Monday. We're going to be meeting with all of them at Lambeau, so hopefully we'll get some more ideas about maybe what some of that stuff will look like.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see what some of those coaches are going to have to say tomorrow. And like you said, that, that's what makes this such an intriguing off season. is because yeah. everything that's even just a, a degree of difference is going to be so intriguing. And, yeah. uh, you know, seeing how he sets up those first practices and the mini camps and the OTAs and, and, you know, start getting into game planning, even a little bit in the preseason games. Just everything's going to have that little bit more of a microscope on it. And I think it's just going to be really fun to, to kind of keep an eye on.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: For Do you... Do you think it's a, a story at all? I think for the most part it's a non-story, and I'm glad that it hasn't been made more of at this point. But do you think it's any sort of story that Aaron Rodgers hasn't said anything at this point about the hire, about Matt LaFleur, or you know, really anything at all?
3: Um, I don't know if that's much of a story. I feel like people are going to make stories out of nothing. But I think that – I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's possible he hasn't actually met him in
2: – sure
3: the facility yet like Devon Adams like I said was just randomly there their paths kind of crossed I don't think most of the players have had a chance to physically meet him in person obviously he's talked with him on the phone and whatnot but I I don't know I don't make much of that Rodgers is very calculating in what he says and does not say and he's maybe reserving judgment until he has more concrete stuff to go off of.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, uh, you know, until there's an opportunity, I feel like if he went out of his way to say something, it could be misconstrued as him throwing the party under the bus or, you know, going above and beyond. So, you know, I'm sure there will be that opportunity for him to talk to the media when he, you know, when the timing is right. And like you said, he's very calculated and smart with that sort of thing. And I think it makes sense that he hasn't said anything yet. So, yeah, I I agree 100 percent. You know, so you obviously are are spending a lot of time in season kind of interviewing players and and kind of getting their interactions. Who are some of the players who have really stood out to you either for better or for worse?
3: I will say the ones that stand out for worse. There's really only two in my two years here that I can think of. And that was our uh, former safety, Mr. Haha Clinton Dix and uh, Jimmy Graham, who basically never talked to the media this past season. Those are the only two that I haven't had, like, you know, a bad personal thing happen with them or anything, but they've always been, to me, two of the the people who are more standoffish to the media, I guess you could say. But, I mean, Devontae Adams, total pro every time you talk to him. I mean, he's he's just a good guy and total pro. Both of uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, love talking to them. Josh Jackson was always very helpful this year as well. Tremon Williams... The best. Oh, my gosh. I love talking to Tremont. He's my favorite person in the locker room to talk to. Let me think. Who else? Mark Valdez Scantling was always very helpful this year to, to me as well. We had a little bit of a bond because he went to USF. I'm from Tampa. He's from St. Pete. And I actually watched him in high school when I covered college recruiting. I actually like went to one of his high school games to uh, cover Dante Fowler, who was one of his teammates in high school, who's now with sure. the Rams. I'm trying to think. Lance Kendricks. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be with the Packers this upcoming season, but he was always really helpful with a lot of interesting questions about Rodgers and um, kind of like how things work on the offensive side of the ball. Always super helpful. Mercedes Lewis, another one. But again, don't know if he's going to be here this upcoming season. Yeah, that's I don't know. That's pretty much all I can think of right now.
1: No, that's a, that's a fairly good list. And, and <laughs> I know Jimmy Graham was one that I had talked to, you know, a couple other people Marcus ever saw Lily Zhao and they just said, you know, it, it's it, when you don't talk to the media almost at all, it's obviously yeah. developed that bond. I I hadn't heard much on Haha ha Clinton dicks, but that I guess, you know, just from afar, it doesn't seem super surprising either, but uh, certainly a really good list of people that uh, are very, you know, media friendly, which is awesome. Awesome to hear.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, What were your kind of thoughts when you've been talking to the players this past season? Uh, You know, from a locker room standpoint, from beginning of season to, you know, when things kind of started to go downhill to post McCarthy, Mm -hmm. was there a change in attitudes? Was there a change in morale? What what did you kind of notice throughout the season and kind of things went from good to to not so great very quickly?
3: It's funny because I felt like it was chipping away kind of all season. There was really never... Obviously, week one, the miraculous comeback with Rodgers, that was like a league of its own and turned out to be literally a league of its own for the year. Nothing else the rest of the season compared to that. And so after that week and then week two, week three, you're kind of sitting there like, okay, this whole thing is kind of chipping away based on the reactions and stuff that I was seeing. I remember at Washington, that was a game they absolutely should have won, but in it. And then at Detroit, those all those missed field goals by Crosby, that's another game they absolutely should have won. Those two opponents, when you think back, you're like, how did they lose to those opponents? Those were things that I felt like kind of chipped away early, early on in the season. And they just kind of kept chipping away. Obviously against Arizona week 13, that tide really shifted for good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it did feel like it was chipping away for a much longer period of time before that.
1: Yeah, that that Arizona game for sure was one that was, it was just even hard to fathom. I've been at some games in that stadium. I was at the the Vikings-Randy Moss game where he made his debut at Lambeau and just Randy Moss, <laughs> everyone in the stadium that night and it was pouring rain and it was yeah. miserable. I was at the Michael Vick game where he was at, you know, the, the Packers lost their first ever playoff game at Lambeau and he was yeah. running circles around Hardy Nickerson and that was hard to watch. But that Cardinals game with yeah. you know Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and everything was there. They they still were technically in the playoff race at that point. The Cardinals yeah. had nothing to play for in the cold at Lambeau, and it was there was just nothing. There was nothing there. There was no pulse. Uh, yeah. On, yeah, it was it was really tough to watch that game.
3: Yeah, it was bad.
1: Yeah, and a a lot of people were shocked, and I was definitely surprised that McCarthy was let go after that game, but being in the stadium for that game and seeing just the lifelessness that the team showed, uh, I was not shocked as shocked as maybe it would have been, at least even going into that game, to think that McCarthy could have been let go midseason.
3: Yeah. Given the two years that I've been here, honestly, none of that ever really surprised me, which is crazy. Just just because I've seen a lot of that in the last two years, you know? But yeah, yeah, it just chipped away. I felt like all season.
1: Yeah, you know, it seems that since you've come here, Kelly, the the team has performed much worse. <laughs> I should point out.
3: Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the tie now. Um, <laughs>
1: might be me. Might be me. I don't think so. But uh, you know, was there a, was there a, any change in spirits after McCarthy was let go? Whether you know, positive, negative, or indifferent, did you notice any difference after he was let go?
3: Well, I, as you probably remember, there was all this talk of playing for Joe Philbin, you know, because he was the interim coach. A lot of the guys on the offensive side of the ball really respected him and really enjoyed having him around. But it felt like even that kind of felt short a little bit and, and fell flat, I guess, because I'm trying to even remember what was that next game. But there was the Atlanta game, which, you know, was was a bright spot there. But other than that, there really wasn't any like inspired play, you know, so. It it was just so wildly inconsistent that, yeah, I, I don't know if there was really a change for better or for worse, if that makes sense
1: yeah and it's almost you wonder if you know the the players are getting smarter and smarter with you know knowing exactly what's going on you you know there was a tangible feel that the writing was on the wall that they were going to go in an entirely different direction after the season I I can only imagine if you know this league the the teams are so closely matched that if you're not even on your peak mental performance and peak (laughs) physical performance you know it's going to show and if you know the writing's on the wall that everything's going to change after the season I can only imagine that that has to take its toll on you a little bit and uh, again it It showed certainly in that Detroit game to end the season.
3: Sure. Yeah. It felt like a lost season much, much before that game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, So, you know, a couple of the players that are coming into contract years, including Clay Matthews and Randall Cobb, and there's obviously a couple others, you know, Tremont's a player that you mentioned who's not in a contract year, but they could potentially let him go and save some cap. Is there any player that you've spoke to or just in the locker room that you kind of got a feel from that maybe they knew they were playing their last game as a Packer?
3: I honestly kind of got that feeling a little bit from Randall Cobb. I don't know if any of you guys will remember this, but that last game that he and Aaron played together, there was that picture that surfaced on social media of them embracing and just looking so emotional. I don't know if you remember the picture, but that picture, like they say, spoke more than any words you could say you kind of and then when we asked him about it in the locker room afterwards he kind of got that same choked up you know feeling and you kind of feel like that that he did feel like it might have been his last game I know that um around the Super Bowl time when somebody talked to him he said that he still hasn't talked started talks or anything his agents haven't started talking to the Packers or anything which I don't know how much you read into that per se but I don't know. He's a physical type player. He's aging. I don't know if he has a role in the Packers and I don't really know if he has a role in many other places. So I, I don't know. He's the one that I am I think is most likely to be gone, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're kind of reading tea leaves a little bit, certainly the picture yeah. with Aaron, the quote afterwards, the yeah. fact that he hasn't been, uh, you know, contacted by the Packers to even start co- talking contract a little bit. And it maybe would have been a little bit earlier at, at that time, but if the Packers yeah. Had him in their definitive plans, you certainly would have thought that they would be talking at least a little bit at that point. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're if you're trying to read tea leaves a little bit, it would certainly seem that uh, Randall Cobb could potentially be on his way out, and uh, it's going to be a really interesting offseason in that regards as well. With the uh, Mercedes Lewis, the Lance Kendricks, the Tremont Williams, a lot of veterans yeah. on this team who could you know not be back with the Packers next year. And as exciting and as fun as the free agency in the draft is, it's a it's a certainly another huge storyline of this offseason to potentially see some very big name, you know, Packer players potentially leaving the yeah. team in the offseason.
3: Yeah, definitely. Clay Matthews being one of them.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be, I think, a, a real interesting one as well to, to see if he gives any hometown discount to the team he's played with yeah. his entire career. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Certainly, uh, again, we won't uh, lack for, for good content to talk about about the Packers in any stretch Never. of the <laughs> exactly. So I know you, you know, kind of as we discussed earlier, are a big Florida fan. You obviously went to the university. Um, there are some very key names that you know a lot of Packer fans are interested in. Of course, Ja'Kai Polite mm-hmm. is one that kind of continues to come up more and more and more. But as a Florida fan, who are some of the names that have kind of stuck out to you and maybe could be a good fit for the Packers in the upcoming season and in the draft?
3: Oh, uh, retire moms to Green Bay. <laughs> Hashtag retire moms to GB. I need Jakai Flight to come to Florida. He was not there when I was at Florida. Still, so I don't actually know him personally, but I am a huge fan of him. Walk, uh, watching him this past year, he has made such a huge jump this year because he really kind of came out of nowhere. Which is, which is, you know, maybe that's a question mark in its own. But I mean, he obviously does have uh some question marks run defense being probably the biggest one his frames a little bit smaller if you wonder if he bulks up can he still have that explosive elite kind of speed that he does have you know he i mean he was ridiculous this year i actually wrote down his stats so i could get them correct his first two years he had four sacks nine tackles for loss and two forced fumbles his injury ended his sophomore year but then this season he had 11 sacks, 6 forced fumbles, 19.5 tackles for loss. And really, he could have had maybe even more than that. But yeah, I mean, he was just a total beast this year. All of the highlights that you see on Twitter and whatnot, yeah, he, he's a beast. But also, another top 10 potential, I guess, pick or top 15 pick would be Juwan Taylor, who's a tackle for Florida. He, I saw, was ranked the number three tackle in this year's draft for uh, by The Athletic. But he's, he started at both tackles throughout his time at Florida. He's one of the best pass blockers in the class, I think. And he's still got room to grow, I think. But I don't know if the Packers really fit with him per se. He's probably going to go before they pick, I, I would think. But he's another one that's going to be a top draft pick. And I actually saw a stat today that was, shoot, it was like since 2014 or something, how many offensive linemen have been picked in um, the draft from each school, Florida has 10 Oh wow! and Wisconsin has nine. So Florida had more than Wisconsin, which is, you know, Wisconsin's supposed to be this breeder of offensive linemen. But yeah, so I saw that status today. I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I but went yeah, to so for that either. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I know uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, another safety prospect who uh, you know, could be a, a, certainly a potential pick at 30 if he's yeah. there as well. Would, he could, uh, you know, for a safety group that is, uh, you know, right now very questionable. Kentrell Bryce, you know, probably yeah. won't be coming back, you would assume. Tremont could be there, but they're kind of uh, decimated at that position at the moment. So, you know, getting yeah. a player like him in there, potentially a pick 30 could be somebody that'd be very interesting as well.
3: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. He improved a lot as a tackler this season. Obviously that was a huge issue for the Packers this year at the safety position. So Chauncey, I think, yeah, that's actually a pretty pretty decent pick. He he can be explosive, he's really athletic. He can hit pretty big. I mean, I think he had like something like three or four sacks this year. So I mean, for Mike Pett, that would be a fun tool for him to play around with. He wasn't beaten over the top too often this season. And he's a big communicator. He kind of reminds me the way he trash talks of like Jalen Ramsey. Uh, He's, he's kind of got that personality about him. So yeah, he's, he's another good, good one that, you know, could be a parrot for the Packers at safety. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't done a full study on him yet. I'm certainly looking forward to that. But uh, from yeah. what we've seen kind of from a periphery, really liked what I've seen playing sub-center field. Like you said, he had three sacks, four picks, two touchdowns this past year. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, certainly a player not afraid to tackle either, 71 tackles. Oh, yeah. but, so very impressed with him. And from a Jacai Polite standpoint, of course, friend of the podcast, Ben Fennell, was on him really, really early in the process, <laughs> just about as the year began. So I know he's been a big fan. And from mm-hmm. what I've seen, just absolutely love Jacai Polite. I oh, think – Yeah, 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 just a massive motor, getting a hustle on every single play. He's a tear off the edge. And what I love about him is so many of those specialty edge-type rushers have one go-to move – and he just has a variety yeah. of different ways that he can get to the quarterback, which I think really separates him. And if he is going to be kind of more of that pass rush specialist, that's what's going to really kind of set him apart because he does have a variety of different ways. It, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk Harold Landry and say, well, Harold Landry went in the second round. And if if Landry, because he couldn't stop the run and was more of just a pass rush specialist went to the second round, mm-hmm. then maybe Polite's going to be that same way. But the fact that Polite has that nonstop motor, he can get to yeah. the quarterback, in multiple ways, he doesn't have the injury concerns that uh, Landry had. I definitely think that he's obviously going to go much ahead of where Landry went, but I think it does make him a, a stronger and a better prospect as well at this point. So I, I, I have a, a tough time. Believing in, let me say this: I would take Ja'Kai Polite in a second at number twelve. Yeah. But knowing how NFL general managers think and how a player can impact the game, and when they're picking top fifteen, they want somebody who's going to be able to play on almost every single down on that side of the field, of course. Sure. I have a a trouble believing that a general manager would take polite in the top 15. Like I said, I am all for it. I would love it. I would do it in a second because if you get a guy that's going to be a double digit sack guy, I don't care if he makes a run stop in his entire career. If he (laughs) can that guy on and come and rush the passer off the edge on third down you've got a Kenny Clark and a Mike Daniels who can yeah. push the pocket up the middle and if he yeah. can come streaming off the edge I love that tandem uh, but we'll see I have I have my doubts that they will do it but we saw that Brian Gutekunst's not afraid to trade back and uh, maybe pick up a guy a little bit later and maybe he'd be there around 16 17 maybe they can pick up a third and still pick up Ja'Kai Polite and I would be all for that
3: yeah Andy you are a preacher of the choir
1: <laughs> I think, and i don't know of anyone in the the packers fan community blogger community reporter community that has not been a fan of jakai polite in this process <laughs> at because, all
3: because of that they will obviously not pick them
1: yeah know, yeah it goes every year so we can put it to bed right now <laughs> jakai polite will not be a green bay packer it's, no. it's it matches way too well uh yeah. you're so right with that Um, so one of the cooler things that you did recently kind of moving on in a totally different direction, but in a really cool direction, uh, you were part of a women in sports night presented by the Wisconsin herd, um, just recently on February 6th, it was national girls and women in sports day. And it, unfortunately, there, a recent story came to its head too, as, uh, NBC's hockey team, uh, one of their main announcers, uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Anyway, they were introducing Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, one of the main new broadcasters to the network of course she's an olympic ho- hockey medalist knows everything about hockey and for lack of a better word uh, he basically mansplained hockey to her at the moment and there was a lot of controversy surrounding that um, first of all i obviously want to discuss your women in sports line and with the herd and kind of how that went but i'm also curious if there's been any challenges that you've had to overcome working in the industry either yourself or other you know women that you've worked with in a very similar vein so curious your thoughts on that
3: yeah Pierre Maguire.
1: Yeah, Thank you. Thank he
3: you. literally said, oh, the team. this team is over there and this team is over there. I was just like, ah! Yeah. And I was actually watching the game because it was the Lightning and I'm a Lightning fan being from Tampa. And I was just like sitting there like, I cannot believe he just said this out loud. Yep. Like, oh, I just, I, I don't even have like real words to say about that because it's so insane. But yeah, it, she actually came out on Twitter afterwards and posted this Thing about oh you know he was super respectful like I that came off really bad that's not how he meant it at all that's what she said I don't you know obviously it looked a lot worse than that so for sure she did try to defend him so I guess get that side of the story in there even though it was a horrendous moment I thought but yeah I mean obviously you see stuff like that I feel like way too much just just because, like you said, mansplaining is is a problem in sports. I know it's a crazy concept, but yeah. No, I mean, I personally have not had a ton of issues with it. I really cannot complain. I think I, I, I am blessed to have two co-workers at NBC26 who are males that totally respect my opinion and have never you know question my ability to talk about football baseball anything so you know i've been i've been pretty blessed in that aspect where i haven't had someone who's sexist or anything like that to deal with on a day-to-day basis obviously there's people around that i see often that, that are that way but sure um i don't personally have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis so that's that's a good thing and i think that we've obviously come a very very far in that field as well there's a lot more women in the industry than there ever have been there's still obviously obstacles and room to grow but i think the respect is is there and and it's not it's not uh what's the word acceptable to treat women like that and most people embrace that so that's that's the good thing
1: Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. I'm happy you haven't had to do anything like that. It it absolutely blows my mind when I see things like that. Um, We're super blessed to have three awesome podcasters on our team that are female, and they absolutely know their stuff. And we're super excited to have all three of them. And, uh, you know, we've had a a ton of female guests. And it's never even occurred to me that like, there's a difference or there would be anything that should be it's just it just totally absolutely blows my mind that because of a a gender that anything like that Mm -hmm. could even come into anyone's mind, but I know yeah. it's, uh, I know what happens and it's frustrating and uh, I'm sure it's much more frustrating to you, but I appreciate everything that you do. And I know you've got a, nice. um, I've seen kind of the pictures uh, with uh, you and Lily and I th- you've got kind of a whole crew in the <laughs> yeah. sports community. That's really cool. And yeah. uh, that's been kind of fun to follow along as
2: well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, there's only three of us on the TV side of things. Um, actually, there's only three well, four now with um, Olivia Reiner from the Press Gazette, but there's only four women who covered the Packers full time in like Green Bay compared to the handfuls of, uh, you know, men writing and whatnot. So there's only four of us um, and soon to be only three. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit different of a dynamic for sure. But, you know, it's it's one of those things, like I, like you said, there shouldn't be any difference. Like just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I can't, you know, talk about football. I know just as much as the person's staying next to me. So um, it's good to have those women too, though. If you ever do have a weird moment or something that you want to vent about, it's definitely great to have those other women in sports to talk to because we're all always there for each other. And it's kind of its own community. So it's fun.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. I, the, I think the only time I, I've had anything come up like that. So obviously this past year, I got to do uh, Green Bay Nation with Lily Zhao. And Lily's yeah. amazing. And I was talking to somebody at work and that, you know, they recognized that I was on TV and they said something to the fact of, all well, you know, you know, something about me and Marcus and then, but, you know, does Lily really know what she's talking about or something like, I'm like, no, but I'm like, no, Lily knows her shit. Like <laughs> Lily knows everything that she's talking about. She's phenomenal. She's amazing. Like, so amazing. uh, and it, like I, it frustrated me just because she was female that they thought that maybe Lily didn't know her stuff. And I'm like, that's yeah. ridiculous. And I was like, that was the first time that it happened, you know, where somebody said something to me and I was just frustrated by it. So yeah can only imagine that it happens mm-hmm.
3: yeah
1: all right so on a more lighter note and kind of one of the um, you know cool things to talk about is obviously all the things that are going on in the Packers this offseason so mm-hmm. it will be remiss to not ask you uh, what are your keys for the Packers this offseason what do you think they need to work on the most and uh, what do you think they can most do to improve this team going into 2019
3: Yeah, so if you had, you know, a little to-do list to check off, obviously the new coaching staff, check, that's done. We'll hear from them tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier. So we'll maybe get some more ideas on maybe things that they are interested in doing. But I think the biggest things for the offseason are, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, edge rusher, tight end, tackle, guard, safety. I mean, those are positions that you need to get figured out immediately, whether it's an infusion of veteran talent or – Young talent, Jadavion Clowney might be an interesting fit for the Packers. Another question is, you know, what are they going to do with Jimmy Graham? Are they going to give him another year to kind of prove himself? Or have they already seen enough? Is Matt LaFleur, you know, not not here for him? Or, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him per se yet. And then on the safety side, there's actually some kind of interesting uh, free agents. I believe Taron Matthews and free agent. Yep, shaker, yep. Earl Thomas. Those could be some interesting people that. Maybe the Packers have some interest in bringing in on maybe not such of a blockbuster deal.
1: Yeah, I'll bring up a name you kind of brought up earlier, and I'm curious your thoughts on him, again, with that Florida connection. uh, Dante Fowler is going to be a free agent, obviously played for the Rams. Green Bay has that need at edge. How do you think he would fit in off the edge for Green Bay?
3: Wow, I didn't even realize he was a free agent this year. That's funny that you mentioned it. It's funny because when he was drafted by the Jaguars, he really didn't make too much of a blip on a radar. He had a lot of uh, injury problems, I believe, in the beginning and he he wasn't, you know, huge impact. But then he came to the Rams and it was like they caught lightning in a bottle. He had that huge play that sent them to the Super Bowl. And yeah, I, I I, that would actually be a very interesting fit. Um, I didn't even realize he was a free agent this offseason, but he's a guy that has a tremendous motor. If he can stay healthy, um, which I know was a concern earlier in his career, that that could be interesting.
1: Yeah, I think one of the toughest things is when a rookie comes in and has a massive injury in their very first year and can't play at all. And Fowler had that happen. I believe he... Uh, Torres ACL is I was gonna say
2: I thought it was an ACL
1: yeah 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 I think it wasn't I think he missed his entire first rookie season and I just think when you're trying to pick up a, a new team and learn everything and then you get there and you immediately are out for the year I just think that's such a tough thing to recover but yeah. As you mentioned, the Rams make the deal for him. I was impressed with how he looked coming off the edge uh, yeah. for the Rams. And it, it, it kind of just strikes me as a guy who's starting to put it together a little bit. And I don't think he's going to get top end money as some of the other, you know, big sure. edge rushers are going to. I think he could be a little bit of a, I mean, let's not forget this was a top 10 draft pick coming sure, yeah. up for a big time prospect. And I think that light's starting to come on a little bit. So he would be one I'd, I'd be intrigued by as well.
3: I mm-hmm. think Marquez Valdez-Scantling would be about that, having been his high school teammate, both St. Pete kids. Yeah, no, that that would be a very interesting pairing. Now I'm I'm going to start lobbying for that on Twitter, along with uh, Retire Moms to Green Bay.
1: Yeah, yeah just, just wait <laughs> till they have uh, Polite and Fowler coming off the edge.
2: Oh, my God, can you imagine?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would be lots of fun, and it would certainly be an upgrade in a, in a lot, a lot of ways, so. Yeah. All right, Kelly. My any dream as well. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Any final thoughts today, Kelly?
3: No, no. You gave me something to think about though with Dante Fowler, so I appreciate that. <laughs> you bet. i have given you that's
1: that's my goal with every guest that I have is to give them homework and more to think about. You're welcome. <laughs> Just what you needed, I'm sure. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you can make sure to follow Kelly on Twitter and on Facebook at the Kelly Price. She, of course, is an analyst and anchor and reporter for NBC 26 in Green Bay. So make sure to check her out there. Kelly, thanks so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it.
3: Thanks so much for having me
2: on. My
1: pleasure. You- you bet. Uh, make sure to check us out tomorrow. Matt and Janelle will bring you another amazing episode of the podcast. I'll be back one week today with another very special guest, Lily Zhao from WFRV-TV here in Green Bay. And until next time, and as always, thanks for joining us, and Go Pack Go!
2: From the 16 of New York, first down, go to go. Rogers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end. And a dagger! They beat Morris Playboard to the back line in the end zone. The Packers are blood Snap to Wild. Oh, oh, close! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! And what's by Geronimo Allison! Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone. And a land ball lead to the north end zone stands. The Packers have a 6-0 lead. Beathard on third down to three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz and here they come. Beathard looking, and as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted! Suck a Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line A Green Bay! Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, see Brown makes the count nice to reach. save the out of Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six Five of his frame, tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott, down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. And it's good! It is good! Yes. Yes. good. Mason, yes. Crosby, Crosby. Crosby delivers the Third. dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta snap, Ryan, looks like close. Let's go! step it, to the house, good Freeland. touchdown! Green touchdown, Greenberg Packers, 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers, and Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, locking it out. they got him, 10 10 touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> touchdown. 40 yards! Single back off, that's behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. From the 29 in Green Bay, and here they handle up the middle. straight ahead, it is Aaron Jones. up to the races. To the 20, to the 15, to the 10. Down to the sideline, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the 5 yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first 67 yards.